0: Welcome to Fresh Pressed for May 18th, 2021. My name is Gabe.
1: And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and grooves that are, you know what, still probably a pretty good idea for the time being.
0: That was too vague.
1: Sure, it's too vague, but who gives a shit? We're about to explain it. It's not like that's the end of the podcast.
0: So, the CDC announced this past week, Andrew, that if you are a fully vaccinated individual, you can pretty much live your life without a mask in most settings. Now, that may or may not be entirely correct and true, and you should probably still wear a mask at the grocery store, but we figured this was our last chance, perhaps, to get a good mask-based theme in on our show after uh, handily avoiding that for the past 14 months.
1: Yeah, we we dipped our toe in it sort of at the beginning of March, and then that turned out to not be such a good look so at least now we've gotten some like sort of positive mask adjacent news it seems like a good time to to shove this one in there
0: andrew what is your song that's still a pretty good idea but not strictly necessary
1: well i don't know this song feels pretty necessary to me this is uh a song called masked music man uh it's by mandre off his Nineteen seventy seven self titled debut album.
0: Wow, this song does feel necessary. I did listen, I've never heard of Mondre. Which I hadn't either. A huge disservice to myself, clearly.
1: Yeah, so Mondre is Michael Andre Lewis, who is primarily was primarily a keyboardist, a synthesizer player, and uh as you can probably guess, primarily active in the nineteen seventies. He played uh since in with a lot of different groups on tour and in sessions he played like on a album for Whitney Houston he played with the who he played with earth wind and fire he played with Frank Zappa
0: yeah I've heard uh, of some of these people
1: <laughs> yeah he's, he's pretty he has a pretty good uh sort of portfolio and uh he did pretty well in the 70s in the early 70s Uh, with a band called Maxane, named after the lead singer of the band, who was also married to Mondre, Maxane Lewis. Um, They had a couple records, and then later on in the 70s, again, this album is from 1977, he sort of made his own one-man funk band and had like four or five albums, uh, as as Mondre,
0: this is the first of those records that he put out.
1: Correct. This is Mondre, the first album. The second one will be Mondre Two. The fourth one will be Mondre Four. And the third one, of course, is M Three Thousand.
0: I was trying to figure out why you were skipping around, like where the punchline was in that joke, but you you did get there. Here's the
1: important thing that we need to talk about. Oh my. If you look at the album cover of this, you will see sort of a tuxedoed person and reflected on his face is is a keyboard, which, of course, is his instrument. Um, and by reflected on his face, I mean reflected on the big silver mask helmet thing that he wears, because that hmm. is a thing that he did. And uh, hmm. he was probably the first to do it. Sure wasn't the last. He like created this persona of Mandre as this masked one man funk band um, with this big silver mask that, you know, is, I would say, inspirational. And I'm sure two specific French people would agree with me. And of course, it's very like synth heavy electronic funk. So unlike the two of us, I think probably, probably Daft Punk uh had heard of Mondre before they got started.
0: Yeah. Daft Punk has good taste. Had good yeah. taste. Yeah, they're dead now. Yep. Sorry, Daft Punk. Got a nose.
1: Charge your funka. Don't kill your eels. Special ones that keeps it abay. Change your mind been your wheels. Just like Santa Claus. Um, Anyway, this is one of two tracks on this album that is just sort of about how cool he is and the fact that he wears a mask. I had initially picked uh, the other one, uh, which is the last track on the album called Masked Marauder, which you would think would be a shoe in because it's just sort of like a classic funk track and it's also the last track on an album. Um, But then I heard this one when I was looking more into uh, his music and... This seems so much more interesting because it's way weirder and it's just more delicious is the, is the word that I'm going to use probably more than once in this
0: segment. It's just so funky. And I mean I that like in the genre sense, but also in the, every, like the daily use of the word.
1: I feel like this song is like a masterclass on like funk composition or funk arranging because again it's not like he's doing the entire album himself there's other featured musicians on the album and there's other people doing you know mixing and mastering and stuff but he is he really is the mastermind behind the album as a whole and the compositions as a whole and it's just so well crafted to from like all the effects on his voice to just the mixing of the instruments you know it's always important in a funk track like this, to have that bass able to, like, just bubble up and be in the foreground. There's all these, like, background, like, little riffs, and there's these this, uh... these female vocal, just, like, sort of exclamations, I will call them, in the background that just contribute to this atmosphere and in, in part make it feel like it's more than a one-man band, but also just perfectly epitomize the the funk genre, it, it, it is as purely funk as like any parliament track to me.
0: One of the things I love about funk as a genre is that the songs tend to be filled with lots of little touches of things that are constantly happening, whether that's the like main guitar itself and like, uh, how the rhythms are like, feel like sprinkles sometimes. <laughs> and this song has the like one of the best versions of that that I've ever listened to with these like electric keyboard synthesizer fills that are happening like yeah. constantly through the song and it's so cool. They're just like yeah, delicious is a great word. I feel like I'm getting little snacks every time one of those fills comes on, you know, like bloop. <laughs> yeah.
1: Gabe what do you have on your face there
0: Uh Uh-oh, I have a mask by the Chromatics off their 2007 record, Night Drive.
1: Even before we get into it, and I I recognize that because of the structure of our show, the audience has already heard the first clip of this song. But I think just from the album title, you knew it was going to be a Gabe song, you know?
0: Yeah, okay. So this is one of these things that's a bit circular because one of the bands that's influenced my taste in music significantly in the last decade has been the chromatics. Mm -hmm. So they were like kind of the ones who made Gabe like the Gabe songs. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Anyway, this, this album,
1: I'm not sure how that's Uh, circular, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah.
0: No, like, you know, like, it all comes full circle. They started the Gabe song, and now here I am bringing them back. And obviously, it's a Gabe song, but it's not a Gabe song because it's a Gabe song because of them, right? Like, they're the ones who made me. Uh, listen, I was well, born in the darkness. You merely adopted it. That
1: way, that doesn't make any sense now. Now, you're contradicting yourself with that. I don't, that doesn't even, none of this makes any sense. Tell us about this song, Gabe.
0: Sure. Why don't I tell you about The Chromatics first? Uh, they are a band based out of Portland, Oregon, um, fronted by Ruth Radelet and Johnny Jewel.
1: Great combo of names.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome, right? Uh, Ruth is the singer, and Johnny Jewell does most of the production. But there are also two other members of the band, Adam Miller and Nat Walker. Adam Miller is the only member of the band who has like been through all of the iterations of the band. The lineup was fairly fluid until this record, Night Drive, which is the third full length of the group. In fact, Rattle It and Jewel didn't join the band until this record uh, was being made. And prior to this album, the chromatics were like a noise punk band. huh? So it's like they made a different band, and we're like, "Well, this is a good name, and we can use it because one of the people is still here." This is because like it's a completely different vibe, and their music is not noise punk ever from like wow. this point in two thousand seven. Then for like the next like thirteen years, since then they've been like in this style and playing with this like neo disco noir retro futuristic sound. I don't have a lot to say about the band members, but Johnny Jewel is fairly prolific and has worked with other groups. He's half of the duo that makes up Glass Candy. And his label which the chromatics are on is um called Italians Do It Better, which I think is a great name for a label.
1: It's wild to me that they were they were a like a punk and noise band. If for nothing else because this song is, like, six minutes long.
0: <laughs> Again, it's, like, a different band. There's no hint of them being a noise punk band on this song. Um, they've released a couple albums since this record, Night Drive, came out. Kill for Love was the album that put them on my radar. They have been, like, teasing this record titled Dear Tommy for, like, six years now. And I think it's finally coming out this year. They've started releasing singles, so... Stay tuned. There might be more music from the chromatics. Andrew, this is one of those songs that like sets me in a movie when I listen to it. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the two movies that come to mind, which have, you know, sort of similar ish aesthetics in some ways, are like Blade Runner. And Andrew, have you seen Drive? Yes. Definitely that movie. And that's a little bit of a cop out because, okay, the name of the album is Night Drive. And, like, you know, the opening <laughs> scene of that movie sure. is a Night Drive. And also, there is a chromatic song featured in that movie oh is there really (laughs) that is cheating but still like i I, i'm not the only person that thinks that they fit well you know in that setting
1: but they fit well in that setting because they are in that setting
0: yeah but you don't like make the you don't pick the songs for the movie until after the movie is made
1: right but you didn't see the movie until after the songs had been picked
0: okay uh uh-huh no i see your point Yeah, yeah yeah that's fair (laughs) Um, I like that they do some like intentionally retro stylings here. Obviously, this harkens back to some disco and some 80s styles of like synth music. There's like tape hiss on the song, which I assume is a synthesized effect. I don't think that they recorded this album on tape and, and had tape hiss, but
1: is it tape hiss or is it or is it? Vi- I mean, it's pretty aggressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some analog distortion effect going on, right? I don't, I, I, agree. I'm not sure if it's like a vinyl scratching or a tape hiss style thing, but like that intentional analog sound that you don't hear in music now because we play everything through computers.
1: Well, speak for yourself. I have a cassette player.
0: I know, Andrew, I know you're not like a synth person. This isn't really your kind of music on the whole.
1: Hey, I just brought a synthesizer player
0: yeah that's a funk song, though,
1: yeah, it is. sure is.
0: <laughs> but I, I like the interplay between like these forceful synths and uh, the guitar lines, which are tight and like terse almost. It feels like each guitar note is like being slightly cut off and like under the verse structures, and then it, everything opens up a little bit more in the chorus, which gives the song like this nice driving flow to it. Which again, yeah, the movie and also the name of the album, this is great music for a night drive.
1: I just really loved how long the little outro is. Like, it takes forever. They go through, like, with all the other instruments cut out, it's just like with the one synth doing the melody. And then it just like, it ends at a place where you don't expect it to end. (laughs) It's like, it's so much longer than than it needs to be. And then it's just like, oh, now it's over. Um, And I just love that.
0: Yeah, I feel like so much of their music is over, like, the five-minute mark. And they like to do, like, extendo outros like that. This is a very characteristic song for them as a group. And for you as a person. Hey Andrew, um I just need a few things like milk and some bread maybe. Do you think you could stop by the store and pick them up?
1: Uh which store? Do you want me to stop by the Bitch store, the bagel store, the inconvenience store, or the Sword store?
0: Ooh, I like the sound of the Sword store.
1: Okay, then let's listen to Sword store by Small Data. Today's the day I'm gonna get heads of his claims. Real life spot a my in the last
0: today's the day I'm gonna get head to my head sword with the right from my spine wipe and fresh to
1: get- This is uh the penultimate track from the album Inconvenience Store by Small Data.
0: Now it is small like
1: Yes, small S M O L. Small. Which is the project of Kara or Kara. You know, now I'm unsure about how to pronounce anything. Goldstein. Or Goldstein. This is, I, I think, her debut album. It is to quote the sort of notes on Open Door Records. The album is, quote, a meta finger point at the inner workings of an independent music scene meant to be listened to as a whole in order. I, I can't bring the whole album, so I'm bringing one particular song from it that I really enjoyed. But it- it do know that it is uh, s- intended to be listened to as a concept album. That's not difficult. It's not like you have to follow a story. It's just like meant to be a unit. Which, you know, it's a, I think it's like a soft concept album. I think that is a good way to do things.
0: Andrew, this song sounds like it could have been off of a musical made in like 2016. Like I get such musical theatricality on this song. In both the vocal style and also in the music. But like musical theater of like the last decade.
1: Yeah, you're not saying this in a bad way.
0: No, 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 certainly not. Plus, okay. I did musical theater for, like, all of college.
1: Well, yeah, but, I mean, look, so did I, but it doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be all positive when I'm talking about it.
0: Yeah, but I don't, like, I don't, it's not derisive to be like, oh, you're uh, Broadway. Like, no, I mean, come on. It this is it, art.
1: It, it certainly can be. So I just, that's why I clarified.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. I I think it's really fun. I like that occasionally in music when the theatricality of the singing is like overdone and overemphasized.
1: Yes, it is also not just like inadvertently doing that. It is intentionally very theatrical.
0: The song is called Sword Store and it's about going to a store to get your sword. Yeah. There's no pretension here.
1: Is I thought you were gonna say it could sounds like something that could be off that last Illuminati hotties album.
0: <laughs> also true,
1: because it has that like sardonic theatricality.
0: Yeah, absolutely does.
1: It's also really well produced, which is a, I mean that is always true of Illuminati hotties, of course. But something that I really like about the song, the more that I listen to it, is that like the vocals and the approach to it feels very live and natural which I guess is another thing that makes it feel more theatrical. Like it could just be someone really like chewing it up on, on stage. But then the, all of the, the whole thing as a whole is not just like slapped together. It's very well put together. Like with all those like arpeggiated bloops and everything in the background just makes yeah. it so like glittery. And again, it like, it like feels chaotic, but it is well crafted to feel chaotic. It's not to say that it it it's like disingenuous or something like that. Like it is is really well put together to to convey the the feeling and the like experience that that she's going for.
0: Yeah, there's lots of the little pieces of the song, and the way that like the vocal effect is interspersed with the lyrics is really like finely tuned to perfection. It feels like so it's an interesting mix of being excellently produced yet still having that live feel which is a nice touch and so shout out to all of the people working on that side of things as well because i that's that that requires some technical skill
1: yeah that would be primarily billy menino (laughs) I didn't, like, have that thought about the, like, theatricality of it, but it makes perfect sense now. And now I'm sort of uh, reapproaching it with that lens. The lyrics really contribute to that, the way that she rhymes things and also enunciates. That's two different parts. But the rhymes really land, and she, like, hits them really hard to make them land.
0: Can you give an example?
1: Like, there's, there's a, a series of lines in the chorus that ends with blade, charade, decade, and then day, which is, you know, only a partial rhyme. But, like, especially charade, like, the emphasis is on that second syllable, right? So that really easily rhymes with blade. But decade, the emphasis is on the first syllable. So it doesn't work as well as a rhyme because you want to rhyme the emphasized syllable you want to rhyme the last emphasized syllable and hopefully also if there's any unemphasized syllables after that you're also rhyming those she hits it with decade but she really goes for like decade like she gives it like emphasis on the second syllable too so that the, the rhyme really lands and it just makes it all the more like fun and like we said sardonically theatrical
0: in my limited notes on this the one thing i wanted to point out is that this song is just so fun right Like, between everything, like, yes, the theatricality, yes, all of the weird vocal things that are happening, the arpeggiated stuff is amazing. It's just, like, so delightful. Even the name of the band is great. Small Data. I like the note on Bandcamp. In May of 2017, a girl graduated from a mid tier state school with countless bad opinions and no lucrative skills. And then it got worse. This is her story.
1: This whole album is really great. And there were, I, I think pretty much my whole like new tune options playlist for most of the last 24 hours as I was picking songs was just different songs from this album. So it's really, really good. And I really recommend it. But there is one best line on this album. And it does appear on this song, which is uh, partially why I chose it as a representative. And it is the first line of the chorus, which is, in quotes, wowee. Them at me and my sword. Gabe, what's new with you?
0: This is pick up your burning cross from the jazz supergroup Sons of Kemet, A new record titled Black to the Future. Andrew, Sons of Kemet is a British jazz group fronted by Shabaka Hutchings, who we've never brought any of his music on this show, but we have certainly like danced around his music. I'm certain we mentioned at some point his record from his other group, Shabaka and the Ancestors, that came out last year, I think March of 2020. And this is his latest full length release since with this other group, which in addition to Shabaka Hutchings, who's playing the tenor sax and various woodwinds, we have Theon Cross on the tuba and Tom Skinner and Eddie Hicks playing percussion.
1: So, wait, is all the winds Shabaka? Yes. Bam.
0: Now, there are multiple winds going at once. Obviously, this is not the live arrangement, but I believe the recorded version, he's doing all of that wind work. Hutchings is sort of like at the forefront of the London British jazz scene, which has been burgeoning and pretty incredible over the last decade or so. There was a really cool jazz incubator that was run called Tomorrow's Warriors, and sort of the fruits of that incubator, like, set many years later, are now, like, coming coming to be. And there's, like, all of these connections and people working together. Hutchings has worked with a bunch of different people, including Mulatto Estatke and the Sunra Orchestra, and then, obviously, his various specific groups. And this song, Andrew, Pick Up Your Burning Cross, features... Two collaborators, I feel like that, at least one of them we've mentioned before, um, Angel Bot David, who is doing the vocals on this track, and More Mother contributed to this track. Maybe I consider bringing some of her music. She's a Philly-based, hard, electronic synthesizer, producer. Anyway, this album is made sort of in the context of the events of summer of 2020, um, post the killing of George Floyd and all of the surrounding protests. And, and this is sort of a response to that specific moment in history, which I think comes through specifically in this song and, and also in many other songs. And there's a lot of urgency and and like simmering sort of anger underneath the music, I think. Mm-hmm. this song is pick up your burning cross which uh you know obvious references here is just an incredible example of the coordination between like sax and clarinet the tuba which is serving as the bass, basically and two percussionists like what an interesting quartet of musicians to bring together for a jazz record right no piano no bass like not really a traditional jazz drum set. This is like such a fusion of Latin and African influences into, like, back into jazz, right? Because obviously that's that's where jazz emanates from, uh, and and you know this comes back to that with, uh, like, a, like a reintegration sort of thing. I don't know. Hmm. It's so unique to hear a tuba, like, played <laughs> in this way. And Hutchings is a really dynamic saxophone player.
1: And everything else player. All of the reeds on this song are great. And there's a lot of them.
0: Yeah, there's this really awesome moment that happens late in the song where it's sort of the rhythmic nature of the song calms down. And you have just like these clarinets going. And then there's like this... Reverb spaced out tenor sax solo over top of that, and I'm you're listening to it, and you're like, This is all one guy, <laughs> not simultaneously, but like the breadth here is incredible. <laughs> There's some really cool, like, solo moments that happen. Um, I I think the effect that is most pronounced on this song is the notes, like, are really often repeated. So there'll be long stretches where both the tuba and the saxophone are playing one note and, like, hitting it repeatedly and giving it different emphases, showcasing, like, the rhythmic abilities of the players. So I, I, I had this opportunity when I was younger to study jazz a little bit more structured way. And in part of doing that, I like transcribed solos. And I remember transcribing a Miles Davis solo. And the thing that amazed me was like the command of rhythm that Davis had and his ability to like push and pull on the rhythmic nature of the song to create like incredible music and I find that Hutchings is doing a similar thing in a more urgent way than a lot of like well certainly than the solo I was transcribing which was off um, kind of blue but you know like Davis did some of that stuff with the bebop work as well not melodically harkens to but certainly rhythmically there's some influence there Over the course of the album, there are some songs that are entirely instrumental and then some songs like this one where there are spoken and sung, lightly sung vocals. Uh, And I think that that's done effectively here to add, I don't know, like a certain amount of grounding and gravity to the song. Does that make sense? Say more. Having somebody specifically tie the music with words to events and to like, Language concepts is helpful sometimes, and it, it, it provides like the context to the song that is important without you having to know, oh, this album was made in late 2020 and released in 2021 following the police killings that happened that summer I, don't think me. I was in last place Oh my yeah, yeah. Andrew, what other music caught your eye this week? Uh, there was some other
1: good stuff. I really enjoyed an album by Joanna Samuels called Excelsior. With an exclamation point.
0: There was a cool electronic I mean it's titled Medieval Femme by mm-hmm. Fatima Al-Qadiri I was going to say electronic medieval music and that's also in the name and that's sort of what it is yeah. it's kind of weird but I liked it
1: um, there's an album by Damien Gerardo called The Monster Who Hated Pennsylvania which is a great album title and I would mention it even if I didn't like the music but I in fact did very much like the music so <laughs> that's good
0: I really like the new Juliana Hatfield's album called Blood. Um, um the latest in her like prolific series of albums.
1: There was a cool jazz album by Billy Bang, who's a jazz violinist, and this is a record that was recorded in I can't remember the year exactly, but I think like two thousand eight or something like that. Um, um he was really of really incredible jazz violence and like free jazz kind of stuff. So he also got drafted to fight in the Vietnam War when he was 18. Long after that experience, he made a lot of music sort of reckoning with his part in that colonialist nightmare of the Vietnam War. There it is. And this album is 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 an is a collection of recordings from a trip to Vietnam that he took um and played with a bunch of uh Vietnamese musicians and there's a, there's a bunch of like clips of him talking about revisiting places that he had been 40 years before and yeah just like just like reckoning with with that history both his own and that of his country
0: a very different sort of violin album was put out this week as well by Sarah Newfeld um who is probably best known for her work with arcade fire um her record is titled detritus
1: there was also the album that i listened to like right before we started recording this is a remix album of a bunch of tracks from nana ajua's album from that was last year i think big dreaming ants um i brought one of the songs from that when it was released as a single really excellent album of course but also this all these remixes are really really good and i'm not normally a remix album kind of person that's sort of a gabe purview but this i was very into
0: we would be remiss if we didn't mention the new saint vincent album well daddy's home (laughs) i'd be remiss i I really liked it uh i think she's great it's like it feels like she channeled pink floyd for half the songs on the record which is fun (laughs) well that's our show for the week you can find us on Twitter at FreshPressedPod. In the show notes, we have playlists with all of our songs that we've featured on the show. Andrew and I will be back on May 25th with more tunes and more grooves. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you have been listening to Fresh Pressed.